and welcome to episode number 110 of the Savvy Social Podcast. This is a show dedicated to helping passion-led entrepreneurs and business owners just like you use social media as a tool to grow your business. I'm your host, Andrea Jones, and I'm fiercely committed to helping you understand both the how and the why of social media marketing so that you can create connection, build community, and make your difference in the world. Our shows are brought to you by Traject Social, which is the world's most complete social media management tool. And it's my tool of choice when it comes to things like scheduling, managing, and especially reporting on social media. You can try them out for yourself for free by going to trajectsocial.com. This episode is also brought to you by Agency Vista. Now with the changing landscape of agency work and this pandemic world that we're currently living in, you want to make it as easy as possible for potential clients to find you. And with Agency Vista, your work and your experience take center stage. Try them out for yourself by going to agencyvista.com and make sure you click my link in the show notes just so they know that I sent you their way. Helps support the show. All right, today I'm talking with G, aka Gertrude Nantera. G's energy is absolutely fantastic. And in this episode, we talk about how to use searchable social media platforms to gain traction, the strategy behind posting videos to YouTube as a freelancer, how G approaches building social media content, and some tricks and tips for growing an audience of fans. Now, for those of you who don't know G, G is a former registered nurse and a medical scientist turned freelance writer, author, and online content creator. I found her on YouTube. She's fantastic. And she's the host of a show called Create and Prosper, which is a podcast that helps aspiring writers create stellar content and build profitable businesses. And her YouTube channel is under the same name, Create and Prosper. And when we recorded this, it's at 1,400 subscribers. I'm sure she has more now because her she's like got a magnetic energy that I love. But G actually started blogging in 2014 just as a way to chronicle her journey to financial freedom using her online business. And she succeeded in using the blog and social media to build a successful freelance content creation business from scratch. So G's great. This episode is great. And also stick to the end because she's got a freebie uh, for you as well. So you'll want to check that out. Let's dive into this episode with G. Hey G, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Andrea. This is such an honor to be on your show. Yeah, I'm really excited to talk to you uh, and really start with your history, the beginning, Mm -hmm. because you uh, kind of have a similar story to me in that you moved and then that is what necessitated you starting your freelance business. So can you tell us a little bit about how it jump-started? Right, right, right. So um, I was in grad school in Philadelphia. Um, I was finishing up um, a doctorate and then we moved from the East Coast of the United States to the West Coast. And anybody who has made that move knows that the East Coast tends to be much cheaper than the West Coast, especially in a place like California, which is where we moved. And we were instantly shocked by how expensive everything was. Um, 
you know, we loved the weather, right? We loved the weather. We loved the beaches. We were so close to the Pacific Ocean. I mean, everything about it was perfect, but everything was super expensive, like two, three times, four times sometimes the price of everything on the East Coast. So even though I had just started a job at a very well-known university out here, I realized that if we were going to continue, my family and I were going to continue living um, here in in San Diego, California, that we needed extra income. And um, the whole idea of extra income was not new to me. Back in 2012, I had started, I had discovered blogging and I had started playing around with starting a blog and um, affiliate income and creating um, courses on Udemy, you know, but those were really little, little streams of income, you know. Um, at that time, I think it was bringing in like less than $100 a month, but I knew the potential. And because I was in grad school, I couldn't really dedicate myself fully to it. So I knew there was a potential, but then especially with affiliate marketing or creating courses, you would need to have a large audience or a sizable audience to make it worthwhile. So the next, the next thought was, okay, I, I'm going to start a freelance business because with freelancing, you don't need a crowd. You don't need a social media following. You just need a client or two or three to make full-time income, you know, sometimes. Um, and I, you know, I was a one woman show, so I was, I didn't need to have like, you know, employees and all that. So freelancing really was the perfect business to start. And up until that point, I had had my blog for about a year and I had built traffic to it. Um, just using social media. I had used Twitter. Okay. Okay. I want to stop there about Uh, how you, how did you drive traffic to your blog in those early days. Right, 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 right. So how did I drive traffic to my blog? So at that time, I used Twitter, I used Facebook, and I used Pinterest. And Pinterest ended up being the biggest thing ever when I discovered it. Um, Because I had heard, I think this was back in 2014, I heard people talk about Pinterest. And I was like, Pinterest, like, I thought that was, and at that time, Pinterest was still quite new, 2014, right? And so it's like, "Mm, Pinterest, like, it just seems like this random platform where people are posting pictures. But let me try it. I tried it and... you know, it's history from there. So I started getting thousands of people coming to my blog. At first, it was just like a few hundred a month, but now it was like a few thousand. And then um, I just was like, okay, I know how to drive traffic to my blog using social media. And I know how to write because obviously I'm writing content that people are reading. So why don't I set myself up as a freelance writer? So that's, that was my original plan. And so I told my husband, I was like, okay, I'm a freelance writer now, so we're doing this. So I was at work and he forwarded me a link um, on Craigslist. And he's like, hey, um, check out this link. Somebody is looking for a freelance writer. I think you should just uh, um, send them an email and say you could write for them. And I said, okay. So I sent them an email. But on that day, on that same day, there was somebody else. I I pitched that person. I never heard back from them. (laughs) But on that same day, there was somebody else that had posted on Craigslist about needing a social media manager. And I was like, well, you know, I've, you, I have built traffic to my blog using social media and um, I built quite a following. I think at that time, Periscope was quite new as well. And I had jumped on the live streaming bandwagon. So I was building an audience slowly, but steadily. 
Um, and so I pitched myself to this lady. Um, later on, I'd find out she was a lady, but I pitched myself to her. And then she, she was ecstatic because she looked at my blog. She looked at my online following. And she was like, I want you to be my social media manager. So that was my first client. And I think she paid me, what, $300 a month? I was over the moon about that $300 a month because $300 a month represented about, it represented a lot, like maybe 20% of the income I was making at the time from my full-time job. So to make that from one client, I was super excited. And then she ended up referring me to other people within her network, which was fantastic. And the income just blew up from there. So that really is like in a nutshell, how I got started with freelancing and how social media helped me get there. <laughs> I love it. Like swap out Craigslist for Fiverr and our stories are so similar. Oh my I, word. Yeah. So I moved from Atlanta, Georgia to Toronto, Canada when I met my husband. And with that move started free freelancing, doing just little things. But my right. first social media client was really what launched it. And I was doing YouTube as well <laughs> at the time. <laughs> it's just like there's some parallels there, which are, right. which are fantastic. And I love that once you nailed into that first client and you showed up and you delivered such a great service, that's what kickstarted it. And that's something that I tell my mentors all the time or my mentees in the mentorship mm -hmm. program is when you're doing a service, whether you're a virtual assistant, social media manager, or freelance writer, it doesn't stop after you get the client. You mm -hmm. have to show up and deliver and continue serving them, which you did, which is how you got more referrals. Which I yeah. Um, okay. So let's talk a little bit about what you like transitioning into what you do now because you've written a book you have a youtube channel and it seems like since 2014 in the very early days to now your business has blossomed into something else so give us a little update where are you now right so now um you know you know when you start doing things i i'm a teacher at heart I, I also am a, co a community college um, professor, so I'm a teacher at heart. So, I, you know, and sometimes I, I think that gets me in a little bit of trouble because I see everything I'm like, oh, let me teach you how to do this. And nobody has asked me anything. It's like, no one asks you. Okay. So, <laughs> so, you know, I always have this desire to like, just share what I'm learning with people. And so when I got, you know, because I was coming from a scientific background to a business background, it was you know, to business is completely different background. So I started to verbalize and the way that I learn is to just verbalize what I'm learning. And so I just saw like the live streaming, like Periscope, YouTube, my blog as a way to share my knowledge with people. And one of the things I really noticed was two things I noticed is I wrote, I wrote this blog post on my blog at the time. I don't, I don't run that blog anymore, but I had that blog post on how to become a social media manager, like how I did it. And that blog post ended up being my top blog post on that, on the blog. It was getting search engine traffic and you know, Andrea, how difficult it is to get search engine traffic, right? And on Pinterest, it was also one of my top pinned posts. So it's like, huh, maybe there's something here. So I wrote my first book, um, a, a self-published book, just a really short book on how to become a social media manager. And that was just selling just based on the blog post. But then when I transitioned from social media management to freelance writing, because I realized that freelance writing really was where my strength lay. Um, 
I, when I made that switch, I began to talk about freelance writing. And again, that also picked up. So in two instances where I started talking about two different freelance lanes, all of a sudden that out of all my content was the thing that people were picking up and people wanted to hear more about. Um, and so then I just decided that, okay, then I would make my YouTube channel about content creation and freelance writing. So that's where that took up, uh, took up from. I mean, maybe just about, I got really serious. I've had a YouTube channel for a while, but I got really serious with it maybe towards the end of 2017 and it's really done well. And so now I was really surprised that one day when this, um, one of my friends, online friends because of online business just was like, Oh, it was introducing me somehow. And she was like, G is the, the guru of freelance writing. And I feel like when somebody else says that you are the, I don't like the word guru, but when somebody else declares that you are an expert in something, that means that you, somehow you've proved that you are an expert in that area by just, by the virtue of just talking about it and helping other people work their way through. And so that's how my business has, that's how it's evolved. I've moved, I still freelance, right? But now I'm, I'm, I see myself in a role where I'm teaching people more. Mm -hmm. And so um, I, I used to get the same questions all the time, all the time. Even just yesterday, somebody um, sent me a message on LinkedIn asking me the same questions. And I'm like, I wrote the book. <laughs> I love that. I think so I'm going to write a book just to have that line. I wrote yes, the book. <laughs> I wrote the book. So, you know, because you, after 20 people ask you the same questions, you're like, well, maybe I should, I should put this. So I did that. I put that in my book, Win at Freelance Writing, put that on Amazon. And that's a resource that I can point people to. So yeah, so that's how my business has changed a little bit is I've moved from just me freelancing to helping other people start their own freelance writing businesses. I love that. And I want to talk a little bit about your YouTube channel because mm. uh, we have a lot of people listening to this who are just branching out into video creation. Right. And one of the questions we get is how do you approach creating video content for a platform like YouTube? And then especially with so many other video platforms coming up like a TikTok or something like that, where do you find your creativity when it comes to creating that content? Oh, I love this question. Just because the reason I love this question is because I, I, when I listened to your podcast, I was listening to, I think one of the latest ones you talked about video and the part and you were giving all these stats on video. So I just love, love, love. I love that episode. And I love that you're asking me this question. So with video content, one of the things that I really, first of all, you have to be comfortable doing it. Right. It, and, and you, and in the beginning, you will be uncomfortable doing it. So just, you know, it's, it's normal. All of us have the jitters. And you just get over it, right? So um, if you are kind of scared to put your face out there, you are scared to get on camera, it's normal, right? So, so just know that. That's the first thing. Second thing is I really do believe in creating searchable content. I really do believe that. Now, the, I know that there are other video platforms out there, but none of them is as searchable as YouTube. All right. So, but you have to choose a platform where your audience is, but I, I would say that hands down, YouTube has the search thing down. So if you want to get found just by people searching for you, then I think that YouTube is an excellent platform to build a business on or to start, um, you know, building authority on. So usually I start out 
by when I first started, um, I just started out talking about the things that I knew. So it was freelance writing, it was blogging and content creation. So I would say, okay, this is how to write a blog post, or um, these are some blog niche ideas. But then I learned about tools like TubeBuddy or vidIQ. These are um, Google Chrome extensions. They're both free. You can definitely upgrade to a paid version. And I use these tools to actually research relevant keywords that people are typing into YouTube. And so I'll have a topic and I'll go into TubeBuddy or vidIQ and see, hey, what, what, what's the search here? What's, what's the competition? How many people are looking for this? Is this something people are even looking for? Is it worth me creating a video around? And sometimes I'll find that it's worth me creating a video around. Sometimes I find that it's not worth it. And I, I, I approach that particular dilemma two ways. One is sometimes I create the video anyway, because you just never know when things will change, when the tide will change. And all of a sudden your video becomes relevant. That's the first thing. Second thing is that even though a ton of people may not watch your video, a particular video, there are specific people who will watch it and get a lot of value from it. So don't ignore the one or two or three or 20 or 50 people that watch your video because you're comparing yourself to somebody that has 10,000 views on, on the one video. And then I also try to balance that out by creating videos that are searchable that can get ranked within YouTube so that I can, my, my, me and my business can get found, right? And so by doing that, I've been able to create videos that I know now are very, very searchable. I've had, you know, I, I've been to social media conferences, like Social Media Marketing World, and gone to the TubeBuddy booth and had them say, hey, you seem to really have this optimization thing down. So I'm kind of happy about that, right? So it is important that if you, you're going to create videos, you, just, you don't just start creating videos out of the void, but you put work into it to research. What are people actually looking for? What are phrases they're looking for? And, um, and then once you find those phrases, you're going to, um, it gets a little technical, but you're going to put that in your title. You're going to put that in your tags. You're going to put that in your description. And of course, you're going to actively promote your content after you've created that because you don't just let the video sit there and gather dust. Post it to your Twitter, post it to your email list, post it to your Facebook. Everywhere you have a social media presence, post it too so that you can at least get that initial boost of people coming to your video. And then based on that, if YouTube sees that there are people coming to your video watching a certain amount of time and staying on till the end, there's engagement, people are liking, people are commenting. Then the YouTube algorithm then picks up from there and says, hey, this person's video seems to be relevant. So let's show it to more people like this. Mm -hmm. So um, I, that's the, I think, is that's like a, a really short uh, a tutorial on YouTube. But I, I think that if you approach YouTube that way, it's excellent. Now, I, I just want to talk about the other types of video. Is that, is that okay, Andrea? Yeah. So I talked about searchable content, but it doesn't mean that non-searchable content, video content is not relevant either. So Instagram, IGTV, right? You have IGTV. You can put one minute videos on your Instagram feed. You can post lengthy videos on Facebook. Although there is research from social media marketing world that showed that Facebook video is viewed much less than YouTube because of the intent of people on both platforms. So people on YouTube are actively searching 
people on Facebook are ent- being entertained and get interrupted. So it's not the same mindset. Um, but it can still be a powerful platform because I've seen people build video platforms on, on Facebook you know, think about Red Table Talks, right? She's built, I mean, she was a celebrity too, but so that helped, but um, you can do it. it. I'm not saying it's not doable, but I think that if you're going to start out with video, start with a searchable platform. If you're brand new to video. Yes. Oh, so many good nuggets there. I love the tools, vidIQ and TubeBuddy. I use vidIQ, right. um, which I, I absolutely love. Um, looking for those keywords, making things so searchable. All of those are such valid, valuable points. Um, one thing I wanted to kind of get a little bit more granular on is sharing it to social. So after you've created this video, you said you're posting it to social. Give us a little bit of an insight on your process to creating content for social. Um, what does it look like? Do you plan this in advance? Do you post as you go? Uh, when you share the videos, are you sharing a link? Are you creating like a little, little video clip? Give us a little bit of an insight there. Yeah, I do a little bit of everything you just said. I'm not, you know, Andrea is super organized because I, I kind of stalk her on Instagram and she's super organized, way more organized than I am. So, <laughs> so I don't really uh, um, plan my content out like that. Like I plan out my YouTube content in my notebook, but, um, you know, my social campaigns could do more work. Uh, my social media promotion campaigns could do more work. But what I do whenever I come up with a new piece of content, right now my main content platform is YouTube is, is I will create the video and I always think about, you know, your thumbnails are important. That's something I didn't talk about when YouTube, your thumbnails are important. So don't skimp on that either. So I really think about my thumbnails, um, even prior to creating the video and that thumbnail becomes something that I share everywhere. So I'll, I'll tweet that. I will, I will, I will write, that I would, I, you know, text and say, um, new video, especially when the video is just out, I tweet it more than once. So I'll say new video on the channel, bam. Then I put the, um, the thumbnail. <laughs> All right. So then I put the, the link and the thumbnail. Then the next tweet I may put up maybe two hours later. Or so I'll say something like, uh, I, I then employ copywriting, which would be speaking to the specific problem. Right. So I'll be like, okay, so have you, let me think of one that, um, so recently when, when the pandemic kind of started and people had to go home and, um, and then I noticed that people were searching a lot for work at home um, opportunities, I decided to do a video where I talked about, um, 10 online businesses you can start from home. So when I created that video, I, I wrote, I wrote a piece of text that said, um, has this pandemic had you thinking about starting an online business that you can work from home? Well, this video and this video, I shared 10 ideas or 15 ideas that you can look into. And that video got a lot of, um, a lot of, a, quite a bit of attention for my channel. I mean, my channel is not huge, but for my channel, it got quite a bit of attention. So, you know, I, I utilize that. So I'll write that and then I'll tweet that. Um, maybe another, so in one day for one new video, I could tweet that out about five times because Twitter is such a fast platform, right? And, um, and I realized it's effective. Then on Facebook, I, I, I do one of two things. I would either post the, um, just the, the thumbnail, or I could, with my editing software, make a mini video, like a one minute video. Because again, like we said earlier, Facebook is not the platform 
where people are necessarily looking for video, they most likely are looking for teasers or looking to just be entertained. And then if you build the interest, they will click on over, right? So I'll make like a really short 30 second, one minute snippet um, and then post that to promote the video and then leave a link. Um, for Instagram, it's more tricky, right? So with Instagram, what I usually do is I, I, I don't post much to my feed, but I, I do overutilize Instagram stories. So <laughs> I so, love stories. Like. I love stories. <laughs> I absolutely love stories. I mean, so I'll post and I realize that I do get quite a bit of engagement on my stories, even more so than my feed. So I'll post the, the thumbnail there and then make like two or three stories out of that and, and you know, kind of like build the premise for the video within my stories and then tell people to click the link because I don't have the swipe up feature yet um, and tell people to click the link. And so I point to it or sometimes I'll actually get on the camera and be like, hey, guys, I just released a new video and this is what it's about. Click the link in my bio, you know, um, and so. You know, these are the, the ways that I go about promoting that. I'm quite intentional about putting it on the different platforms, but it all starts with me. I know it's a weird place for me to start, but it all starts with me creating the right thumbnail mm -hmm. that's going to attract people's attention. Because if I can attract people's attention with the thumbnail, I can get more people clicking through from wherever. Yes, I love that strategy. And then I love how like uh, omni-channel it is. So it's not just you know, posting it on Twitter or Instagram, wherever you're taking that one uh, foundational piece of content mm -hmm. and you're really sharing it out as much as possible on social. Right. Um, right. So tell me a little bit about how you approach the rest of your social media content creation strategy. So outside of the videos, which tend to be your core content pieces, mm -hmm. um, and you have a podcast as well. Yes. Um, so outside of kind of those core content pieces, uh, what else are you posting on social media? Right. So apart from me putting up, um, you know, my content or promoting my content, one of the things I love to do is, is just share inspirational content and, and just, you know, talk to people about mindset because I realized that, um, business has a lot to do with mindset. Right. And if you can, I realize if I can win over the people's minds or you can win your mindset, you can also win at your business. So I'll share ideas like that. Right. I'll post, you know, some video or I'll post some idea, or I'll sometimes even share like testimonials people have sent me. So if people send me testimony, like recently when I put out the book, I had people, um, leaving reviews on the book, right. These were to completely unsolicited. I had just said, okay, if you read the book and you enjoy it, please um, leave a review, an honest review. And people actually went and left two um, people from my, who follow me on social media again, um, went and left me reviews. And I was so, so grateful. So I just screenshotted those and posted that. So inspiration, you know, testimonials, because I think that if you're a business, then you need to show that you need to show the value of what you're providing, right? Um, is my instruction because I'm out here, you know, giving giving um, educational content, but is that changing lives? Is that doing anything? So I need to show that it's doing something. And, you know, and these people had left the review. So I screenshotted that. I posted one of those to my Instagram and Instagram stories and Facebook. Um, I'll also um, just create sometimes graphics. You know, I used to do this quite a bit a few years ago, but just graphics again with inspirational content, put that out. Um, 
But I, I find more and more that I'm creating content that I'm creating content that's related to my content. I don't know if that makes sense. Yes, it does. Yeah. yeah. I'm creating more content related to my content. So I think the inspirational posts are nice and whatnot, but then you can only post so many of those. But so I, I focus on things that could ultimately drive people to find my business, to find something that suits them. So my content is like, you know, if you think about the funnel, I'm not great at funnels, but when you think about a funnel at the top is like the free content and whatnot. So I'm trying to get people in that. So I end up creating content around my content to drive people into that funnel so that they ultimately find my paid products. Yes. That's the direction I go because an an inspirational quote is great. And you know, I do post those, but I always find those are not the ones that get people to come into your business per se. (laughs) What has your experience been? No, for sure. And I totally agree with that. So one of the things that we are actually testing within our agency side of the business is Mm -hmm. a strategy that we're calling right now, no new content. So Mm -hmm. when we create social media posts, it's not anything new. It's usually repurposed from a blog post or a YouTube video. Like we're leading to other content pieces, a lead magnet, something like that. We still do like inspirational content, but the purpose of the inspirational content is totally different. It's really just to engage your community. You want people to like your posts and leave comments and that sort of thing. So the algorithm knows that they're Mm. interested. Um, So that those content pieces definitely have a space, but then also leading people into the funnel, as you said, leading them to a free content piece or um, leading them to a lead magnet to get on your newsletter and, and so that yeah. they can move on down the sales funnel. So absolutely, that that's what we're finding as well. And it's an interesting strategy because with a brand like yours, there's a balance between the what you offer and your personality. So sometimes posting personality content is the content as well because when people come into your world and you know they're listening to your show they're listening to they're watching you on youtube they're buying the book because they like you mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so i think that adding in your personality there makes a huge difference absolutely <laughs> so one last question that i want to ask you is about um building your audience hmm. so what are some of the things that you do consistently to make sure new people are coming in and discovering you and consuming your content right that's that's a great question so i think that um with uh, the, the biggest thing the biggest thing that's helped me build an audience is just content consistency all right. So content consistency, of course, um, one of the things that I'm, you know, one of the, the, the beautiful things now is we also have podcasting and I can jump on Andrea's podcast and talk to her wonderful audience. But I, I find that um, um, posting content, content consistently and also um, working to get in front of other people's audiences that may be interested in what you have, right? Not in a, not in a slimy way, not in a disrespectful way, but in a very authentic way that also adds value to the other person, right? Because if you, if you decide, for instance, you decide to be on somebody's podcast as a way to help you grow your audience, it shouldn't be, that shouldn't be the end goal. The, The biggest thing should be, let me add value to this person and, you know, add value to their audience. And out of that, perhaps there'll be people within that audience that come and check me out. Right. So I find that content consistency and then getting in front of other people's audiences and adding value to that other person 
is the is is the, is the biggest way that I I find myself growing recently. Um, so for instance, I think at the beginning of last year, I was on a podcast, and um, you know, I was on two podcasts, I think, and then I I just kind of forgot. I did the interview for I, you know did the talk and everything and then got off the the podcast. I didn't think much of it. And then I would be on Instagram and somebody would message me and be like, Hey, I heard you on so-and-so podcast. And I'm like, Oh, you did, (laughs) you know? And because, and they're already in love with me before they find me. Right. And I just thought that was so, so powerful. So I think that if you are, you know, you're coming up, you're trying to build your audience, Post content consistently, right? So the searchable content, find a searchable place to be so people can find you organically. And then also see how you can collaborate with other creators within your space who have an audience that may be similar to yours or has an overlap and add value to them. And by adding value to them, you can interest some of their audience to come over and find you as well. Because as we know, we, even though we all, we, you know, we, we both have businesses, different businesses, we're not serving the exact same audience, but there could be some overlap. And when you go and provide value to another content creator, you can attract that overlap into your business as well. So I, I I hope that, um, those are the two ways that I personally enjoy. And I've also become a minimalist in my, in my marketing techniques, just because it can be tempting to do all the things, right. To, to do their lives, to do all the things. And, and I realized that I just needed to focus on the book. Uh, there are two books like essentialism and then the one thing, and both of them talk about just focusing on one thing or a few things and having them, those be effective rather than focusing on multiple strategies and having that not be effective. So, so that content and then adding value to other creators and collaboration. Yes. Thank you. Oh my gosh. So many golden nuggets in this episode. I'm really excited. I hope you guys are taking notes. I was taking notes. (laughs) Um, So G tell us how else can we connect with you? What's your social, what's your website? Give yourself a shout out. Yay. All right. So, um, I'm on social media uh, almost everywhere. Um, but I am especially active on Instagram stories. So I'm on Instagram, um, at G Nontra, G E E N O N T E R A H. I'm also quite active on LinkedIn actually. So you can come find me there. That's Gertrude Nontra PhD. You can come find me there. And then of course my YouTube channel is also, um, a play, a hub, for a lot of my content. So you can come find me there as well. Awesome. And I'll put those links in the show notes for those of you listening. Check those out. Thanks again, G, for joining us on the show today. Thank you so much for having me, Andrea. That was such a fantastic interview. I love G's energy, like I said. So I hope you got a lot of value out of this uh, episode and make sure you check out G's freebie. So she's got the first chapter of her new book entitled Win at Freelance Writing available for free. So I'm going to put the link to that in the show notes. Definitely check it out. And hey, if you love the show, make sure you subscribe, rate it, give us positive feedback. It really helps support us. We are one of the top 100 marketing podcasts in the US and Canada. Love to see your support to continue keep us in that slot because there's a lot of new podcasters coming out with shows. Um, And hey, stick around because next week, Alma Bradford is going to be on the podcast and 
talk about a lot of things. She's a really great strategic mind at building a business and also getting sales and leads using Facebook groups. Now, you guys know my opinion on Facebook groups. Scroll back a few episodes to check that out. But Alma has a different perspective, which actually makes me rethink a few things. We also recently had her in the Savvy Social School for a live Q&A session as well. Um, Just a super smart person. And I'm looking forward to that episode. But for now, rate, review, subscribe, and I'll see you guys next week. Bye.